In retail, personalization works most powerfully when it's effortless. That's what Ben Mercer, the co-founder and CEO of Personify XP is doing with his team. Personify helps brands create personalized shopping experiences online. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with Ben about that, the work that they're doing, holiday shopping, sustainability, and a whole bunch more. Stay tuned. Let's roll. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Endless Out podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Leroy-Bardier. Today, I'm joined by Ben Mercer, the co-founder and CEO of Personify XP. Ben, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, so we were introduced um, through a colleague here at New Store, and, and you had actually worked with her at a company based here in Boston or, or just on the outskirts of Boston, TrueFit. Um, and now you're you're leading uh, or steering the ship at, at Personify uh, as CEO. So I want to start there, and maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, background on on yourself and and Personify because you guys are doing some really interesting things there. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so I know I know Rachel from from the Truefit days. So I was based out of um, the London office for Truefit, um, and kind of managing and, and supporting kind of the sales function over there in the UK market. Um, you know, it was, it was such a, an exciting business to work for, right? I mean, they've got a huge growth trajectory, such a, a critical business point around, you know, making sure, you know, people are wearing the optimal fit and also discovering, you know, the right styles and fit that approach to that shop, which is incredible. And I think, you know, they've got such a supportive team across the business that kind of helping it grow. But I think like working for that business, there was this huge kind of challenge that, you know, retail was talking about and that was, you know, privacy, right? Um, you know, in, in May 2018, we saw GDPR, right, which is the kind of data regulation rules that kind of Europe put into practice around how best to use data, what data you can use, but then also the best practical ways for brands and retailers to collect their own data. And I think, you know, we've seen those trends across the world, right? So whether it's like the California Consumer Protection Act that kind of came into force this year and versus like other kind of federal stuff they're discussing. But then, you know, different countries like South Africa and even different Asian countries, they're really taking this privacy thing more seriously. And I think kind of on top of that, when, you know, when we were going out speaking to brands, you know, there's this huge wealth of data available, especially whether it's like Truthfit or other kind of data companies. Um, but actually, what about that customer you don't know about? You know, what about that customer you can't identify? What's the kind of the best way to, you know, really tailor an experience to them and, when we kind of looked out in the market, you know, a lot of companies were going down the route of, you know, asking questions to people, but actually the kind of the take up and then if people delete their cookies, that kind of thing then becomes redundant. So really the kind of the focus was, you know, how can we personalize that consumer we don't know about, they're anonymous, what is the best way to personalize to them? And the way we kind of thought about it was, you know, if I went into a store and I spoke to a store assistant, you know, immediately that store assistant go, why are you buying that product today? And like the example we love to talk about is the dress shirt example, right? I can say, look, I'm buying a dress shirt. Immediately that person's going to go to that store assistant going to go to me like, why are you buying that dress shirt? You know, I could be buying it for a number of different reasons, right? It could be for like a suit for a wedding, a suit for work. It could be for like a vacation thing. It could be for a date night, whatever it might be. But obviously, I as a consumer, I want to see the content and the products that are kind of relevant to me. So what we kind of set out to build and, and kind of our mission is to really enable consumers to be able to get the best possible experience driven by 
their behavior and then int their intent through an experience without ever having to sacrifice any of their personal data. And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing really, you know, crazy good results across the board with the clients that we partner with. So if I'm, if I'm a consumer and I pop onto a website that you guys are, you know, one of your customers, does that work instantaneously or would I have to come back a couple times for you to actually acquire some of that information based on behavior um, to understand uh, gender and preferences and, and things like that? Uh, so the answer is no. So every, every decision we make within the platform and the AI that we've built is all in moment. And the reason we keep everything in moment is that retail constantly changes, right? Like I could be coming on to Macy's one day to buy a gift for my girlfriend. The next day I'm coming on to buy a pair of cargo pants, for example. And the way in which I'm browsing and consuming products around buying a gift for someone else will completely differ to going out and buying that pair of pants, for example. So therefore, what we're constantly doing is with actions people take, so like the referrer they come from, like an Instagram ad, Facebook thing, whatever it might be, through these actions that they take, so clicking on products, engaging with content, reading blog posts, whatever it is, we then start to build up a real-time picture of that person's intent and ultimately like their mission, but also things like price point affinity, you know, brand affinity, all that really kind of cool intent and signals that we can pick up in real time to then make that real-time decision. But it's also important to kind of think about like, I could be going on and looking for that handbag within that moment, but then actually the next moment, I'm then buying something for myself. So actually the right. way in which consumers browse those experiences even changes in session and our platform completely reacts to that in real time. Got it. Okay, so so you really, I mean, across the entire you know customer journey, um, you use the example from, from social media. And so... As I'm, as I'm learning and understanding this, I'm trying to think, so it's not, is it specific to a single brand or how does this um, work? Because you use, you mentioned like through social, you're tagging and it's, and it's um, you're, you're tracking the, the customer coming back to the site. So you work with brands, is that information pass along to other brands or how, how does that sort of work? Yeah, so I think, you know, within within the restrictions that we have, you know, everything is first party data that's owned by owned by the brand, right? So we're not sharing mm -hmm. that data between the brands or between the retailers we work with or, or kind of yep. downstream third party ad partners. Everything is owned by that brand. And I think what we've seen across the board with the you know 72 or so websites we're live with today is that every brand has their own personas and behaviors that their customers you know entail. And, you know, it varies a lot between, you know, like navigational style, for example, or the volume of content a particular brand might have through to, you know, how many different countries that brand operates in. You know, someone in, you know, even in New York will browse someone differently to someone in, you know, Arkansas versus, you know, someone in Asia or, or Europe, for example. So there's a lot of different intricacies those brands have, but also the story of those brands are trying to tell and the content they produce really give them the differentiation. We want to make sure that, you know, each of those brands individually are able to tell their own story through the perfect blend of content and commerce within that particular browsing journey. That's great. So how long have you guys been, been working at this? Is it a relatively new venture for you? Um, so we've been going about two years now. 
Um, so we had kind of our anniversary September this year, which was really cool. And um, we actually announced our pre-seed funding round last week, which was really cool. Really, um, congrats. <laughs> no, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. And it's always it's always kind of like stressful as a founder, you know, having those kind of conversations when, you know, you're focused like head down building a product. So, um, but it's great that, you know, we've got new partners who really kind of bought into that vision um, and really kind of help and support us. But, you know, I think two years of, you've always got different challenges as a, you know, as a co-founder of a business, right? Um, especially now we've got, you know, a lot of members of the team, we've got to support, you know, it comes with different challenges. So, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've had a lot of kind of mentors and support along the way that kind of helped with those different challenges, whether it's just like me and Josh sitting at the desk, you know, plowing through building the product versus like bringing our first kind of customers on board. How do you then kind of scale up like customer success through to then how do you then build out the product roadmap? Like, every day is fun but it's also you know every day has its stresses as well so it's really kind of finding that perfect balance between you know the good and the bad yeah and so you know take us back two and a half three years what what were sort of the origins of this idea you know you i you know you guys there's there's an ai component um you know everything that every you know tech companies you know like like you guys and and like what we're trying to do at new store um, and really anybody that's working in within retail, you want to create really like human personalized experiences with the customers, enhance the shopping experience. Talk us through a little bit of like, what were, what specifically were you trying to solve and, and how did it end up getting to, to kind of where it is today? Yeah, of course. I, th- I think, you know, the main challenge we're always trying to solve is how do you personalize to that customer, you know, absolutely mm-hmm. nothing about. And, you know, when we were out, even at, even during like the truth of days, speaking to clients, you know, there is a huge amount of, you know, website traffic from a retail perspective is anonymous. And if you then look at kind of what data points brands then fall back to, it's always, you know, the wisdom of the crowd, right? It's always the biggest group of customers will get exactly the same experience. And, you know, when you look at things like A-B testing, for example, you know, 50% are going to see a really great experience and 50% are going to see a lowly performing experience. And what you kind of see, especially with like traffic patterns and stuff, is actually like, yes, your experience today may service the majority of people, but actually, you know, it's like it's like the election, for example. It's always the swing states that make the big difference, right? And that's really what real-time personalization with Personify helps, you know, solve is how do we persuade those people and give them the great customer experience, but also the one that keeps them on site and gets them to convert. And, you know, that real-time element of personalization has been something you know brands and technology partners alike have been trying to solve is how do how can i as a brand personalize to someone in real time just purely based on actions and intent signals because when you look at personalization based on cached experiences so what someone's done in the past that won't necessarily inform in that moment what they're going to do unless it's like subscription and repeat buying because you know, they've come from different campaigns. They're looking for different product categories they might not have browsed before. And typically, when you look at those brands that are doing personalization, it's always based on last click attribution. What is the last click that I've made? But actually, consumers have taken a number of different actions to get up to that point. And that's the real difference between Personify is we look at that journey as a whole and make sure those micro decisions we're making in terms of the content and products that are shown to consumers are the right ones at the right time. And kind of how the product developed is we always thought, you know, we need to be this standalone personalization engine that just works. 
but actually brands already have a lot of you know personalization capabilities or customer data platforms already exist within their business so actually what's really important to those brands is what are those real-time segments that personify is able to create and then we're then leveraging those within systems like adobe or dynamic yield or monetate wherever it might be to then better surface those experiences so instead of going you know directly to market and be a massive competitor actually we're saying we've got this unique data stream how do you as a brand then want to action it that's pretty fascinating um you know i think as a consumer we've all been we've all been there whether you know use like an instagram example you you clicking through you you served up an ad or you see something and you click on it um I know as a consumer that that action is detrimental to the rest of my like user experience, because if it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow or, you know, it's usually within an hour or two as you're browsing around that you're going to be served up an ad and you almost know it's coming. You, you, you kind of <laughs> consensually agree that, Oh, this is what's probably going to happen. But what I'm hearing is, is this, this almost happens. It sounds like where, the consumer won't even be aware of it in a way. And the experience that they have um, is one that is going to mirror, like you said, what got them there. And it, and it takes a lot more into consideration as opposed to just that last click attribution that you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I think the power of personalization is when it's effortless, right? You know, consumers aren't necessarily aware that personalization exists. But ultimately, you know from data, from A-B testing and looking at analytics, if those experiences you're serving to those people are driving them to the right outcomes, right? Um, because consumers will always you know, hesitate or post on social media if they have a really terrible experience with a brand. Um, and obviously, they get praised for great customer service. But you know, if you're serving the right content and products, that becomes important. But actually, then it becomes like an iterative process, right? Because you might today have a set of content and a set of products that um, perform you know, relatively well. But actually, when you then deep dive into the subsets of those behaviors or missions that Personify finds, actually, you know, there is still room for improvement because you may have like a 7% increase in conversion rate on one particular behavior, but then kind of flat on another. And then the question is, is there a way we can produce better content um, or is there a way potentially we can get a better source of traffic to then better align to that type of behavioral affinity? That, that's really interesting. Um, and so as you're talking with some of these brands, um, you know, what, what are some of the questions that they're asking you guys or, or that they're they're keen to kind of understand about the product? Because this is this is really new and, it, and it's different from, you know, some of the other things, you know, competitors that are out there. Uh, if there are any that are doing similar things that you guys are? Yeah, I, I think the, the question always in, in retailers' minds is, you know, how quickly can we get this up and running, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, you know, we get that, you guys get that at, at New Store. And, um, you know, we, we try to, to make that as easy as possible. Um, I think like we were speaking about before, like the approach of, you know, building integrations into other partners, as well as saying that we're not trying to do this big enterprise-wise project, like we can build very simply. We're not requiring any existing data sets, like we're tracking data completely fresh. And look, if you're serving stuff out of Optimizely or whatever tool it might be, you know, we can just plug into that and, and then do that. So, you know, we try to take the risk out of proving something for those retailers and brands. 
but also recognizing, right, that they've got roadmaps. Um, so ultimately, you know, fitting into those roadmaps is important, you know, as well as the differentiation, because, you know, we are coming into a market that's been going for, you know, a decade now, right? Like personalization has always been, you know, top three, probably in, you know, retailers and brands' minds in terms of what they want to do, whether that was like, email personalization a few years ago through to on-site optimization all that kind of stuff so you know going through that kind of educational piece of you know that last click attribution versus real time is important as well because it is something new um you know but ultimately we're going into probably a, a golden age with first party data in terms of kind of that growth of that customer data platform segment but also that kind of push from legislation around how can we better use first party data to capture the experience so you know, we're not here in the market saying, you know, we're going to replace everything. We're here saying, look, we know you're probably happy with your strategy, but actually this will give you a couple of points incremental uplift. And that's the reason you should be working with us. Heading into the the holiday shopping season, you know, how do you sort of see you guys playing a role in and with with some of these brands? I mean, you know, with with COVID, certainly the, the emphasis is is on e-commerce. I'm sure brands are, are focused on making sure that, that things are, you know, optimized and, and customers are getting a really, really incredible experience, you know, one that they otherwise might might be, uh, you know, in store for. Yeah, I mean, like, even at the start of, like, COVID, we were seeing, like, because stores and stuff were, were you know, were closed around the world, actually, we're seeing this huge new behavioral shift from those people that always went in store to those people that were coming online for the first time. And that shift was creating really dynamically different behaviors than we've ever seen before. Because, you know, these people were kind of going through the kind of educational phase that, you know, people were a decade ago, which is, is it safe? Is it secure? You know, I potentially want to speak to someone rather than kind of browse and kind of understand what they're doing. So, yeah, it was really interesting to kind of see that shift. And I think, you know, especially with Black Friday and, you know, retailers wanting to be hugely competitive, um, especially this kind of year, you know, especially, you know, in the last kind of two years of the kind of Black Fridays, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to to work with our brands on, you know, we see new behaviors pop up every single day, you know, because retailers are launching new marketing campaigns, they're releasing new content, they're discounting products, they're going out of stock extremely quickly as well. These are all completely things that drive behavioral change. And I think, you know, we're fortunate enough within our platform to react to those things in real time. So, you know, we're saving those huge kind of manual stresses of having to, you know, change products out, change content out because the platform can adapt to those kind of real time changes. But also recognizing as well that, you know, retailers want to retain, you know, the highest margin possible, as well as use, you know, the period as an acquisition channel, but also as, you know, a retention channel as well. So, um, it'll be really interesting off the back of that. And, you know, we're going to do some work for like a white paper in terms of, you know, post the post the season, the kinds of behaviors we found, but also, you know, how we were able to, you know, partner our customers to ensure customers got an incredible experience. That's that's fantastic. I'd, I'd like to see that once you guys publish that. I think it'll be interesting. Everybody's prepared for a totally different sort of holiday shopping season and have had to kind of think on their feet in terms of, um, how, how do we kind of evolve and, and shift the way that we're doing business? You know, thinking ahead and taking a step back from Personify a little bit, you know, what are some things in 2021 that you anticipate seeing from just an overall or, or more general trend perspective, um, either, you know, where you are in the UK or even in the US? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's kind of two kind of big things that we've been seeing at kind of the back end of this year. I think the first one is the move to sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of brands take the opportunity now to, you know, be more sustainable focused in terms of the materials they use, but also their, their kind of approach as well. And I think, you know, that will continue into 2021. And I think, you know, the consumer is really driving that and, you know, across the board brands are, you know, really stepping up and, you know, taking that kind of message to heart in terms of, you know, their, their kind of sustainable approach. Um, Do you I think, think um, Sorry, Sorry uh, just uh, um, <laughs> I just wanted to dig in there a little bit. You know, consumers will will vote with their wallet, right? They will yeah. um, they will say, "I don't like um, you know how how this these products are being made." Some of it's education; you have to look for it a little bit. But do you think um, as brands move to more sustainable practices? I mean, we see it with like Patagonia. Um, you know, they, they've been very big on it for a long time. Um, I want to say Athleta. I mean, Allbirds, there are a number um, that are committed and I think more will start to skew that way. Um, but do you think consumers, uh, if they haven't already, are, are getting more educated about some of this? Or do you think it's a little bit more on the brands to sort of communicate, um, you know, here are the measures that we're taking um, just to sort of wave a flag and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about these things. We know they're important to you. I, I think it's 100% both, right? Um, I mean, we're definitely seeing that consumer shift, especially in you know the newer demographics that are just starting to buy for the first time. That are completely mm-hmm. focused on that, you know, and that you know their dollars and pounds are directly going towards those brands who have that kind of environmental kind of focus. But you know, brands also need to tell their story as well, right? Um, in terms of you know the approach that they're taking, because you know people will start to tune into those kind of messages. And like you say, you know, we've seen huge growth in brands, you know, taking that message to heart. And I think, you know, across retail, you know, brands are taking that seriously, but obviously, you know, with those changes, a lot needs to change in those organizations, right? Whether it's like supply chain things, um, whether it's product creation, whatever it is, and those aren't things that can happen overnight. Um, So, you know, obviously these are things that retailers and brands need to plan out. Um, you know, carbon offsetting, all that kind of good stuff, which is important to, you know, the consumer today. Um, but I know from, you know, regularly speaking to brands and retailers that it's becoming a core part of their strategy, but, you know, these things take time, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, sorry, so I, I cut you off. I wanted to talk about the sustainability, but um, I think you were, you were going to make another point or, or mention something else you were thinking about. Yeah, so I think, I think I, yeah, definitely. So I think the other thing we're seeing as well is the the I guess the rebirth again, what the third time round now of artificial <laughs> kind of artificial reality and kind of VR stuff, right? Um, you know, we had you know Burberry's homepage a few months ago completely be kind of virtual reality based stuff. Like, you know, everyone's talking around you know how you can maximize like computer games to you know maximize retail uh, revenue and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of virtual more like artificial reality stuff. Like I think that's going to be a huge trend next year. Cause you know, with the growth of like esports and all that kind of stuff, like yeah. I think that's going to be a huge part of the experience brands are going to be getting involved in next year. I've seen, um, there's a, some, uh, there's a, well, you might know Wayfair. Um, they're a Boston based furniture company and they sell on online. I think they have a, a store and, in and around Boston. Uh, but they've been doing that a little bit where you can kind of with your phone through their app, I think, um, kind of see what a, what a product looks like in, in store and I'm sure sh- in their house. And I'm, I'm sure they're not the only one. Um, 
I would like to see a little bit more of that. I think it'd be interesting. It'll certainly enhance some of uh, the the customer sort of shopping experience, and especially with something like furniture. That's that's so obvious that that would that would be an application of of uh, virtual reality stuff. But um, I'm curious, like, what other use cases you think would would be applicable, or or uh, what what that might look like. Well, I think fashion's a huge one already, right? You know, if mm-hmm. I'm trying on that pair of sneakers, like how does it look? You know, if I'm trying yeah. on, you know, that pair of pants, like how does it look on me? You know, I think it's been a big part of the, you know, especially like the return game as well, you know, especially going back to the sustainable point, um, you know, ensuring we have less returns will, you know, decrease carbon emissions and, you know, help retailers' bottom lines ultimately, right? So um, I think definitely the mobile phone augmented experience is is going to grow, especially into next year. You know, we're seeing great stuff with like ASOS having virtual reality with an app, for example. So yeah. we know brands are trying to get there, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into product attribution and making sure the images are right and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think definitely fashion one, you know, the Wayfair example is great. You know, I always want to see, you know, how that sofa is going to look in my living room, right? So right. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be important. I think there's lots of... Pr- practical applications of how stuff will look in different scenarios that you know will become critical to that um, as well as obviously you know during you know covid and all that kind of stuff we've seen huge growth in like video chat support you know speaking to store assistants all that kind of guided selling stuff as well so you know really bringing that product experience in the home um, is definitely going to continue as a trend into next year that's great well, uh, Ben, we've got a couple couple more minutes here um, uh, before we wrap. So um, I wanted to go through a couple lightning round questions with you to kind of loosen it up. And um, so uh, whenever you're ready, um, uh, we can get started. So um, what's your favorite retailer? Uh, Boohoo. Nice. Okay. Um, most recent purchase? Uh, pair of jeans. Okay, so that was going to be my next question: uh, denim or khakis? Denim, always denim. Like I've got, so I've got like eleven pairs of denim jeans. Like I'm obsessed. <laughs> Genuinely obsessed. Uh, sweater or sweatpants? Sweater. <laughs> nice. <laughs> even even working from home, huh? Oh, honestly, like I love a sweater. <laughs> honestly, well, yeah. honestly, like, but like we're, we're getting like more and more like we don't have to wear like more formal clothes, or, you know, on video calls and stuff, right? So, hundred yeah. percent sweater. 100%. Perfect. Um, well, great. Well, Ben, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for joining. And, um, it was great to catch up. Um, it was a lot of fun and yeah, learned quite a bit about what you guys do and, and the whole personalization game. Thanks Marcus. I really appreciate it. I really love what you guys are doing in news store as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast, which is presented by news store. We'll catch you next time on the end of the